Well, after careful consideration, I have decided to make this week's guest a healthcare hero, although she technically could have fallen into several different categories that we often like to feature here on Blabbit in the Bluegrass. Her name is Shadden Melky, and she has an abundance of experience in the realm of healthcare, but she has also spent a fair amount of time in the area of technology in roles such as library consultant, app support specialist, IT representative, and you'd be surprised how many times the technology and healthcare go hand in hand, more often than you might think. So Shadden will explain how she has combined the two, and she will give her advice for those wishing to help others maintain a healthful and active lifestyle in some form or fashion. So we're going to learn a lot. We're going to have a heck of a lot of fun learning here on Blabbing in the Bluegrass Season 7, Episode 3, and it's coming at you now. Kentucky features so much more than basketball and horses. We're home to scenic spectacles and one-of-a-kind golf courses. If boating, fishing, dining, or music is your pleasure, we'll guide you to the sights and sounds that you will truly treasure. Cause we're blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. There's nothing here to hide, cause we're saying it with pride. Just a blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. With knowledge of the state, you're sure to appreciate. Yes, we're blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. Where musicians furnish talent and great whiskey cools your palate. Just a blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. With a fit for every taste, precious time is not to waste. From Pembroke to Pippa Passes, Pine Knot to Pilot Oak, we love this state with all of our heart and we seek to promote all that it has to offer on a weekly basis right here on Blabbit in the Bluegrass Exploration and Celebration of All Things Kentucky with me, Sam Moore, here as per usual at the tidy and very tempting North Quail Motel in beautiful Henderson, KY. Now, as I told you up top, my special guest this time around, her name is Shadden Melky, and I had the privilege of meeting Shadden when I was a grad student at Western Kentucky University. In fact, she offered me a job in the WKU library. She was working there at the time as a technology consultant, and my job in the library, we'll talk about this more during our chat, but my job was basically to assess the library's online databases with uh, JAWS screen reading software, which I used and still use to access the computer, and uh, I assessed how user-friendly those library databases were with my screen reader, and of course those databases contained information about books and articles that students could access, resources that the library had to offer. So I had a great time testing out those. Shadden was great to work with. But now in addition to her a tremendous skill in the area of technology, she went to school to be a healthcare professional, which she started out doing, and that's what she's doing now. We'll tell you more about that. But in between her healthcare duties, she worked at uh, Western in various capacities, including the library, and that's where... She and I work together, so you'll learn about the impressive background of Miss Shadden Melky. And in addition to technology and healthcare being combined, you know, there were also numerous instances where uh, she used marketing and PR and even uh, education skills. So, you know, the more skills that you can develop, the better off you're going to be, bottom line. Shadden will prove that to us as we visit here in Mere Mere Moments. But... Before we get to Shadden, you know what I'm about to say. We got a bluegrass brain buster headed your way as we try to have each and every week. So we're going to give you the question now, and we will give you the answer at the end of the show. Now, Shadden spent a number of years working in the Western Kentucky University Library, like we told you. So we have a library-centered question. I want to know... What is the oldest library in the state of Kentucky? Again, I want to know what is the oldest library in the Commonwealth 
of Kentucky. It has been a public library for uh, most of its years in operation. It's been a free library, but it's so old, uh, it didn't start out that way initially. So you tell me what that is. You'd be thinking about it anyway, and we'll see if you're right. We'll compare notes at the end of the show. Good luck. Sam Moore now presents a kind and courageous healthcare hero. Well, I tell you, our special guest today, folks, has um, quite uh, an impressive background in many different areas. Uh, she spent a lot of time in the realm of health. She has served as a personal health coach, a uh, health manager. Uh, currently, she's a sales rep for a company called Dixie Vital Care Infusion Services, which we will talk more about as we go along. And also, where I met her, she uh, spent a lot of time in the Western Kentucky University Library serving as a technology consultant. And anytime anybody had a problem or a snafu or whatever, she was the first one they called. And she also obtained a number of assistive technology devices for uh, folks like me with visual impairments and also uh, individuals with other differences so that uh, they could utilize the the library for uh, multiple different purposes. So uh, we've got plenty to talk about here, and uh, we're going to dive into these and uh, who knows what else. Shannon Melky is in the house, and uh, we sure uh, we sure appreciate her being here. Now, folks, I uh, I actually was an employee under Shadden Melky when I was a grad student inside the uh, WKU library. And uh, she used to put me to work. Now, Shadden, I get to put you to work. No, I'm kidding. Right. Sounds good. <laughs> no, only kidding. We're going to. Hopefully, we're... hopefully I don't get fired. No, no. <laughs> I have yet to fire anybody and you ain't going to be the first. So. Uh... <laughs> All right. Anyway, in fact, um, Shadden told me off record that she's about to go on her first vacation since COVID and she starts uh, vacation tomorrow. So, you know, you might be, yes, you might, you might be tempted to, uh, you know, play a little multi-purpose here and talk to me and Pac at the same time. All right. <laughs> I, I know that's real tempting, but anyway. <laughs> I'm sure uh, I'm sure glad you're here. Now we'll start uh, we'll get to your library stuff here momentarily. But first, okay. let's uh, let's start by diving into health. I'd like to know how did you uh, initially discover your desire to pursue an education centered around personal health and well-being, Shadden? All right. Well, I guess it just kind of, I was born with it. Um, at a young age, uh, I really enjoyed sports. I was in gymnastics and dance and swimming and diving. Um, I was on teams since the age of 10. And uh, surprisingly enough, uh, even though gymnastics and diving were completely separate, I was first in the state, or sorry, first in my region and sixth in the state. You never told um, me for that. Both. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. It ain't bragging if I it's a fact. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I try to stay humble on that, but those are some of my prize prize moments in my younger years, and so I just kind of built on those growing up, and um, in my in, after I turned eighteen. I started as a caregiver. I was a live-in caregiver for a lady who was partially paralyzed. She was, she was paralyzed on her left side. And so I helped her with everything, you know, whether it was walking, whether it was uh, physical therapy, whether it was, you know, eating, um, you know, whatever the case may be, I was there right by her side helping her. And so that was that right there really helped push me towards wanting to learn more. I didn't have a degree in in um in any health education, so I wanted to pursue that more. Uh, I, I was really big into instructions. Um, I, instructions really helped me, um, I guess, guide my direction in the right avenue, so to speak. Um, for uh, for helping this lady 
who who needed the help the most. Yeah, and um, you know, you were only eighteen, and that was a good experience for you at such a young age. And I'm sure that um, you and her developed quite a rapport, no doubt. Yes, yes. Her name was Mama. We called her Mama. Mama, and, I uh, love it. Yes, yes. And so, uh, yeah, it was, it, she was, she was like part of my family, you know, I was like one of her daughters and we built a relationship and, you know, that just kind of pursued from there. I can imagine. Plus all, you know, that and all the other stuff you were involved in that helped to ultimately uh, mold your career path as well. Now, could you still do a cartwheel, Shadden? I can. Yes. <laughs> I still practice yoga um, stretching and that sort of thing. I, I still do some back bends and cartwheels here and there, but you know, at my age now, I, I, I cut back on the flips. Oh, well, we won't hold that against you. Okay. You cut back on the flips. Right, that's a good thing. And I even know how old you are, but I won't tell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a secret. Yeah. That's just I'm not a... 18 anymore. Well, neither am I, but yeah, that's uh That'll stay between us too. <laughs> but uh, anyway, Shadden, you earned a, a bachelor's and a master's degree from the mighty Western Kentucky University. Now, uh, give us a, a snapshot of your degree programs along with the training and experience you received outside the classroom. All righty. So let's see. I started my undergrad in exercise science. And I did a little bit of work with the football team. I worked with the personal trainer with them uh, and just helped build their strength training program. And I also started the first nutrition program, sports nutrition program that they had at WKU. Well, and they that? still use part. Thank you. And they still use parts of that, which is making sure that they eat fresh, healthy foods. Uh, they incorporate that and uh, into their diet. And then I also worked at the medical center in uh, cardio rehab, um, just kind of monitoring uh, patients' heart rates. And uh, I established a, a yoga program for some of the patients there, oh. and uh, especially stroke victims. And you know, that kind of goes back into my, my previous caregiving days, uh, because the lady that I caregive for, um, she became partially paralyzed from a stroke. So, okay. you know, just building on those, um, I, um, I learned a little bit more in the hospital setting. Sure. And, and then I, uh, went ahead and I wanted to, go into a little bit more yeah you know. let's see your your master's degree was in public health i know yes so um i was started a master's in public health and i was a graduate assistant for two of my professors um dr taylor dr richie taylor and dr vj gola also shout out and to dr taylor and dr gola yes yes so um, I basically just helped them in the classrooms. I helped uh, also uh, develop two separate labs. One was a computer lab and one was a, a testing lab, a science lab. Both of which are still and there, I'm sure. Yes, yes, they are. <laughs> they actually uh, ha uh, were able to get a new building and they have a, a more professional lab now and they have a, a new computer lab and that sort of thing. Oh, so that kind neat. of pioneered for their for the future of public health programs there at the university. There's so many new buildings down there, even since I left. It's it's not even funny. So I'm not surprised that, yes. um, you know, the Department of uh, Health and Human Services got a, a, a new building as well. But I tell you, back on your, yes. uh, your days of working with the football teams, those were... Um, those were pretty good football teams that you got to work with. And uh, they all, you know, made pretty deep runs around that time frame. I think uh, Jack Harbaugh was still the coach at that time, wasn't he? Uh, I think it was Elson at that time. And uh, I, I have to say, um, after that, they went into, was it the, the double a division yeah they went into division uh, one and that was a, that was a struggle for a while when they were trying to move up 
but um yes yes so i i like to contribute some of what i did with elson to that (laughs) 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 jokingly but yes uh shortly after elson is when they went into division one yeah exactly which uh (laughs) was a transition process but you were uh you were very early in the in the david elson era when you were working with him (laughs) yep yes so you did that um for a few years and while you were grad assistant uh, did you did you teach a few classes while you were in grad school uh i was a ta i was a teaching assistant so i did mostly grading and i helped uh, in the lab i was a lab assistant you, were you know assistant. answering questions yeah okay well, lots of math you... questions in the lab that kept you busy <laughs> enough as a former grad student myself i know that um your papers yeah. and tests and every other thing, you know, <laughs> you you have no problem passing the time at any point. So uh, that's correct. Yeah. Anyhow. And I ended up with, with a lot of the accomplishments that I did, I ended up getting um, the academic achievement award um, that oh. year for the uh, department of health and human services. Well, that was a fluke. No, I'm kidding. Only messing with you, Shad. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> you never no. know what we can come up with, right? I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, there's awards yeah. for everybody. No, no that was well earned. I know, earned. right? That was Thank well you. earned, I know. And, Thank uh, you. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. that's definitely uh, something to be proud of. Now, after completing graduate school, that would have been 2007, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, that's what I thought, 2007. Then you made your way up to the Derby City, and um, you were first employed as a, a personal health coach with Humana. And you later served in a, another capacity, which we'll uh, drift into shortly. But first, I'd like for you to describe uh, how you provided assistance and uh, encouragement to um, clients in their quest to uh, enhance their quality of life, Shadden. Yes. Okay. Well, this is actually a really great story. So Humana um, pioneered the first... Um, it was the first bridging the gap between hospital and home. So they started a program, they partnered with Pfizer and started Green Ribbon Health. And it was basically helping all Medicare patients uh, receive services to keep, to prevent them from going back into the hospital. Um, They wanted to help people stay in their home, providing financial assistance for medications, for um, utility assistance, for durable medical equipment, for home health, caregiving, you know, whatever the case may be, uh, whatever services that a patient needed, uh, food assistance, um, meals on wheels and that sort of thing. So basically that's what we did. I. Kentucky was the one of the first states to start the program, and I was the first um, health educator in the state of Kentucky. So I started from the ground up, um, the yeah. resources for, for our rural communities. Um, and um, so I guess from there, you know, things just started, they, uh, Humana started a um, a new uh, program, Uh, Pfizer wasn't with them anymore. So they incorporated it within their company because it was so successful. And um, then I was asked to be a health educator uh, or sorry, a healthcare manager. Right. And um, so I ended up doing that for uh, nationwide. It was for the entire country. Okay, so whereas your personal health coach work was um, just uh, in in Kentucky, the you know your healthcare manager work was coast to coast, and so uh, I'm guessing uh, I'm guessing both of those roles uh, required quite a bit of travel, didn't they? No, everything was from home. I worked okay. from home. So you know, regardless yes. of what the role was, you you might have worked with people mm-hmm. everywhere, but you were always in Louisville. Yes. Yes. So it it was all about research 
and computers. <laughs> you had to have computer technology and uh, you had to know how to do your res researching. You mean you knew computers? No. <laughs> Oh, well, maybe a, a thing or two. <laughs> I don't know. A couple things. But uh, yeah. <laughs> no, anyway, so, but that's cool, though. So, so you know, with, <laughs> with, uh, in terms of the personal health coach realm, you never uh, you never actually work with people one-on-one -on, -one on their exercise routine or diet or anything like that. No, I just provided research materials for them. And so basically it was more autonomous. Um, we allowed them to work on it uh, on their own. And if they had home health or caregiving or whatnot, you know, um, they could they could work with their, their nurses or their caregivers on those. Well, that's cool. Have you ever, um, have you ever done any personal training though? Just curious. Uh, just for myself. No, I oh, was okay. I was never certified in it. So uh, I mainly just use those kinds of things for my personal health. Yeah, you personal, <laughs> you personal train personally, shall we say? Yeah, exactly. That's right. <laughs> That's a way to Don't put it. Don't waste, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you still know how to do cartwheels, or you can still pull it off. So that you know, that's <laughs> that's correct. It's it's yeah, paying it's off. But um, anyway, yeah. as you mentioned, uh, Shad, and after two plus years of um, you know, serving in the healthcare capacity, you became a healthcare manager with Humana. Explain the the most striking differences between your duties as a healthcare manager and your uh, health coaching responsibilities. Um, well, the only difference was, is that uh, I had to provide a lot of these resources nationwide. So I continued the research. I, I built up our database there at Humana and, um, I trained others on how to do that. Um, and it was, it was more of a one-on-one -on -one with the patients as, wow. as it, um, you know, as it unfolded. I see. So you worked, you worked individually with uh, the patients in, in certain areas. Mm -hmm. Yes. More of a, in a management role, making sure that they were, they were getting um, the resources that they needed and communicating with their doctors, communicating with any of their healthcare providers and uh, prescription assistants, you know, contacting the pharmacy um, sure. or the uh, pharmaceutical companies for assistance programs, those kinds of things. I so it's more of so. a direct assistance on those. So even though you were in Louisville, you were, you know, making a lot of phone calls and sending a lot of emails, I'm sure. Yes, I was more of like a liaison kind of person. Yeah, like a middleman or, or middle woman, shall we say. <laughs> There you go. Yep, that's right. <laughs> that's a, that, that's not a role that uh, should be taken for granted. But um, anyhow, Miss Milky, you made a triumphant return to uh, your hometown of Bowling Green. That was in 2011, and you became an educator in WKU's Department of Health and Human Services. So uh, talk, if you would, mm -hmm. about the... The, the age groups you most commonly worked with, along with the uh, the types of courses that you generally taught. Okay, so um, the age group was typically uh, college based. It was between eighteen and you know twenty four. Okay, so all um, undergraduate ages, basically. Yes. Uh huh. The yes. freshmen through seniors. <laughs> yes, exactly. There you go. And so. Um, let's see, mainly what I did was I conducted health and wellness presentations to the campus community, um, focusing mainly on the student body. And, um, I also, um, oversaw and kind of developed the, what we called the stall street journals. And it oh, was like basically, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they were just kind of like, educational tidbits. We tried to make it look really cool and flashy. Um, and we posted them in the bathrooms just so people had 
you know, little personal health tidbits that that they could go by. Yeah, a little reading material in the bathroom never hurt nobody. <laughs> exactly. That's right. So, yeah, we try to make it fun and interesting for the students, and they really liked that. That's um, cool. And then, yes, and so, of course, to stay up to date with the students, we had to have a website. So I had an up-to-date health promotion website um, for Topperwell, and um, that's what we called um, our health education uh, website there on campus. Okay. Did, then, you ever, um, uh, did you ever send out any of those campus-wide informational emails that I used to get? <laughs> uh, yes, we did. We did. We sent those surveys. Is that what you're talking about? Uh, yeah, surveys were part of it. <laughs> don't yeah, hold, yeah. Don't hold so, it against me. I never took them. But. <laughs> that's okay. I won't tell anybody. Yeah, I don't tell anybody except the people listening. But, <laughs> but anyway, well, that's, that's nice, yeah. though. And then you made presentations uh, all throughout <laughs> campus. So you never actually taught any classes, you know, to students in the department. No. Yeah, no, we just we just kind of did peer health education um, to student groups and that sort of thing. So you were never Professor Milky. <laughs> nope, nope. Oh, but and but I did a lot of marketing. You'd be amazed at how much marketing is is <laughs> included in public health. My role as a it was mostly marketing. Surprisingly, I had to know a lot of computer skills. I had to know how to develop a website. I had to know how to to do podcasting and and things like that, uh, instructional design and that kind of thing. There you go. So you, you put you put out a few personal health podcasts, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Did. That was right about the time that podcasting was really uh, starting to take off there around you know, between 2010, 2012 and that, in that realm, it was yeah. really yeah. starting to grow. And then, in, you know, when pandemic rolled around, it grew even more so, but or it grew even yeah. more. So I got to use, <laughs> got to use correct grammar there, but that's, a, that's always yes. a good time. And, uh, you know, yeah. that, that's, you're right. You know, marketing, I can see where it would be a big part of it. You were trying to get people excited about um, worthy causes such as, their personal health and you know yeah it's, yeah because it's not the fun it's not the most fun thing to do you know but it's something that we have to do in order to stay happy and have a, a good quality of life yeah our health is something that we often take for granted until we don't have it so that's true that's very true <laughs> you know you don't know what you got till it's gone that that, that would make a good song in fact i forget who sang that? But anyway. I want to say, I want to say Aerosmith, but I could be totally wrong on that. It could be Aerosmith. Folks, if you know, email me bluegrassblabbing at gmail.com or you can Facebook me uh, via the uh, the Blabbing in the Bluegrass Facebook page. But uh, but anyway, Shadden, um, you ventured down a different path in uh, 2012 when you assumed the role of technology consultant with uh, WKU Libraries, and you've done quite a bit of, uh, of computer work before that, but uh, otherwise, this was uh, different territory, different water that you were treading, so uh, tell me what sparked your your interest in uh, a career change of this nature, Shadden. Yeah, well, I was looking for uh, more money, to be honest with you, you Nothing know, with that. Uh, being being a a public servant in public health, it's it's not really a money maker, uh, but it does help uh, provide services to people, and that's what I love the most. Um, however, what I did learn from all that was that um, computer technology and instructional design and that sort of thing is very critical. And that was one thing we also learned in my uh, public health uh, program is that technology is is the most important thing um, for public health and in that in that aspect in today's world. Sure. So uh, I started a, a second master's degree in instructional design, and um, that's basically uh, building uh, distance learning like Blackboard um, content and that sort of thing. On okay, a, so you have uh, two college. master's degrees. 
Yeah. Well, I started it. I didn't finish it. Okay, but um, she took some classes that were beneficial. <laughs> yes, yes, I, I did. You know, I, I took the important classes on learning how to do those kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, but once I started a full-time job um, in IT and that sort of thing, I just um, didn't have... I didn't have enough time really to, I, I was so busy with that working days and nights that uh, I just, I just didn't finish that master's degree, but There's I felt only 24 like I hours enough. in a day, right? <laughs> that's, a, that's exactly right. Yes. So, yes. um, so yeah, I, um, I got the, I got a full-time job there in the library. Uh, they were really looking uh, for someone who had accessibility uh, knowledge because that was at the time there was a lot of lawsuits going on let's see target was sued there was a few banks that were sued because their websites weren't accessible oh i think i remember and, a few of those actually yeah penn state was a big university that was sued so so that's kind of um i had a certification in section 508 ada compliance and that's basically for technology accessibility. And yes. so that's that's that was my primary role there in the library. I did a, a lot of other things, uh, but that was that was my specialty. So that's that's what I did. That's what you did. And your mom was the uh, ADA compliance director for the university for gosh, how long? I think it was 35 years. I knew she had quite a bit of seniority on her when she retired, yes. but uh, yes. so, so, uh, yeah. you know, uh, as, as her daughter, you, uh, you know, you learned a lot about it from her and, and uh, probably part of what inspired you to obtain that certification, no doubt. Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. And that's a, that ended up serving you well. Now, um, uh, most of what she did at the library, you know, dealt with the assistive technology, ADA compliance, things like that. But I know that, um, you know, you were pretty well rounded, and I, I could tell just as your student worker that you uh, you dabbled in uh, a bunch of different things. So uh, talk about other equipment, uh, maybe non non assistive technology related that uh, that you gained familiarity with. Yeah, so I was. Uh... You know, I, I had both my public health aspect and technology in there, uh, which was really nice. Uh, you know, I did I did the basics, managing, upgrading, acquiring, reporting, troubleshooting, library systems, um, designing and updating the website, maintaining the website for the library. And let's see... I know a lot of times when the um, when the library had special um, special activities or functions like uh, international awareness nights or whatever, like you would you would pitch in with those yeah. from time to time, wouldn't you? Yeah. So that was actually on the public health side. Um, I I did. So I was on a, a few different committees there in the library, uh, and what you're speaking of is the faraway flicks. Far away flicks. So, I knew it was uh, something along the yes. international line. <laughs> yes, sir. So I kind of I, I pioneered that program as well. Uh, I worked with my old boss, Connie Foster. She was the dean of libraries at the time, and Dr. Coots. He was my boss, um, and so we wanted WKU was doing a international year of every year they would sponsor a different country. And they started off with Ecuador. And so we thought to kind of bridge the gap with, with the, within the university to um, have an international film series. And what we did was, is we provided food from the country. So yeah. we did a lot of research on, on what kind of foods each country um, uh, liked their cultures and that sort of thing, gifts, um, and we would have door prizes as well. So our films, we would try to make them more cultural, non-political, non-religious. We wanted to show more of what the essence of those cultures 
uh, or those countries were about. Yeah, nothing and that's going to spark controversy or anything like that. Exactly, exactly, yeah. And we had educational forums, so we had a professor that was familiar with the country, either lived there or visited there, that would discuss uh, different aspects of, of the country and the film with the students. And so um, that was a lot of fun. Each month we would have a different country, but, you know, we would pioneer uh you know, we would make the international year of the biggest, the biggest um, event for that year. And we'd have big door prizes like an iPad or, you know, something like that. So it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. Students really enjoyed it. Um, different um, departments like English department, um photojournalism, the international student uh, services, and, and um, even the physical education there, Raymond Cravens, or not Raymond, uh, what's the name of? Uh, oh, Preston. Preston. Yeah, Raymond B. Yes. Preston. Yes. So, um, so we all uh, worked with them on getting their students in, and they could get extra credit points and that sort of thing. And so it was, that was a lot of fun. And then we also did um, podcasts and we would have at Barnes and Noble, we would have like a Kentucky live, we would have authors that were from Kentucky speaking. And then we would have um, another one for, um, for just um, international authors. We would, sure. we would have a podcast for them and they would talk about their books and that sort of thing. That was neat. So did you host those podcasts? Yes, we did. The library did. And I would uh, record them and then edit and post them on our on our library website. Okay. Well, that was <laughs> that that that's uh, an important responsibility, but that was uh, an enjoyable program, no doubt. Extra credit is always a big incentive, and uh, food is also a huge incentive for college students to show up, in case you didn't know. Yes, sir. <laughs> Yes. Oh, I, I was very well aware of that. You yeah. know, we have we have a lot of international students that also they just, you know, I wanted them to to meet other people from other countries and from the US. You know, we wanted to we had everybody coming in there, you know, it just it didn't matter. We wanted we wanted people to get to know each other and spark conversation and that's what it was about, integration. Absolutely. And exposing uh, people to different cultures and different countries and, and things like that. Are they uh, are they still doing those flicks over at the university? Do you know? They're not. They're not. They stopped the International Year of and a lot of things changed, you know, when we had a, a different president and we had the, you know, the transitions going on at the university. So um, yeah, a lot of that that did spark a lot of, you know, a lot of new twists and turns for sure but um yeah. anyway yeah i know it was enjoyable while it, it lasted I, I had the former president gary ransdale on my show one time so that, that was oh, uh, nice yeah i enjoyed talking to him i haven't had the i haven't had the current president on there at this at this point yeah. but um i had the pleasure of working with you as a as a grad student, like I said, at uh, Western, I assisted with the uh, accessibility of the library's online databases and, uh, you know, tested to see how user-friendly they were with, um, you know, for people with visual impairments and things of that nature. And um, I would occasionally occasionally assist with newly acquired devices and, and take them for a test drive. So, um these were yes. these were assistive technology related. So why don't you enlighten our uh, listeners on the uh, assortment of assistive technology that you obtained for the library uh, while you were employed there? This was right in your wheelhouse because I know that um, ADA compliance was uh, your your primary area of expertise there. That was my baby. Yeah, that, that was, was my your baby. baby yes. Yes. So we wanted to make sure that our library databases were readable by someone who was either visually impaired, um, hearing impaired, or mobility impaired. So we had different assistive technologies, whether it was text-to-speech or speech-to-text 
for uh, mobility type of things. Sure. Yeah. So, and um, I know one of them was a refreshable Braille device. Yes. That was the first thing I tested was the refreshable Braille device that we attached to uh, computers and so forth. Yes. Yes. Uh, I, you know, I wish I could remember the name of it. Um, I can't think of it years, right now. It? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's only been what, about 10 years or so. Yeah. About nine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, I just go with text to speech and speech to text. So yeah, yeah yours that... was text. And that was, that was the Braille. So that would be, um, you know, that's, that's basically, um, it's taking both text and speech into braille yeah. yeah so that was that was a great technology i don't know how um how much they used it in in distance learning um but what i can say is that with the library we um we were able to use we used what was called compliance sheriff and that was to test our databases to see how accessible they were and um, we used JAWS screen reader, which I know you're very familiar with. Oh, yeah, um, still use testing it. those. Yes. Yeah. And if it wasn't for you, we would not have the accessibility um, resources and training materials that we have on campus today. Oh, look at you. I owe you and some money for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we actually, I did uh, a few conferences across um, the state of Kentucky, and we were able to work with other universities on those as well. So did some, some presentations on that and um, taught other people how to do those. And, um, Another thing that we did was we used uh, an OCR scanner, which basically would make any book, um, any paper, anything, um, a, a readable file by something uh, for a text-to-speech uh, reader. Yeah, because you could scan it on um, a CD in most cases. Yep. Uh, CD, USB, email, depending on the size of the file, you know. Right. Uh, yeah, that's what we could do. And so they still do that to this day. Yeah, that's, uh, I really read the benefits. So what they do is, you know, you, you yeah. put a, a a textbook or, you know, whatever you've got, paper that um, a blind or visually impaired person would need to, to read and you can scan it and they can... Um, open it up either in an email or put a CD in and JAWS will read it to him on the computer, that JAWS screen reading software, which is really, uh, really a blessing. And I know um, also what we use the kick scanner quite a bit too. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that's similar to the yeah. OCR scanner, isn't it? Well, it's actually the same thing. I guess I'm okay. using more of the 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 terminology that they are using today, which is OCR scanner, but yeah, kick scanner, yeah. I, I, I knew if they, they, uh... they stopped using it because so many people wanted to kick it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> they thought, well, it's a kick scanner, right? I <laughs> a lot of them were probably using it to vent if they if they flunked a final yeah. or you know <laughs> exactly to get yeah something off their chest, but <laughs> so yeah, you yeah. Know, they... You know how technology? You know how technology is. You know, there's always there's always a wrench thrown in somewhere. So we'd always, you know, we'd always um, monitor it and, and assist the the patrons and how to use it and that sort of thing. Yeah, and also we uh, we worked with uh, microfilm and micro fish readers a little bit. And those are yes. those are a bit old school now, but they still serve their purpose. Yeah. And we uh, they do. Yeah, we assisted with. Uh, you know, finding and determining the accessibility for, for them, too. Mm -hmm. That's right. And uh, those also make PDF files now. Uh, we bought, we ended up buying a new uh, micro fish reader, and uh, it's all electronic. They took all of those microfilms at microfish, made them electronic. And um, so that made it a lot easier uh, for accessibility use. Now, what you began... Mm -hmm serving the library in yet another capacity in 2018, Shadden, when you earned the title of Application Support Specialist. Now, 
it's not news to anybody that these days there's an app for virtually everything. So give us a, a synopsis of the apps that you helped to implement and perfect in this role. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, actually, um, I was, uh, I was promoted to um, the department for web development and uh, distance learning. So I ended up working with Blackboard and that was the application that, and then OU Campus, that was our website um, design that we used. Um, I did the training tutorials on those. Um, I created the, um, um, the learning video tutorials and tests for our faculty, staff and students there on campus. And then I also um, did a um, troubleshooting, you know, I was uh, I was um, one of those people that you would call on there in the IT help desk and um, help um, answer any questions that people were having, because, you know, there's there's never a question in distance learning. Oh, never, ever. <laughs> the technology never has any flaws. But uh... yeah, yeah. And especially, you know, once COVID hit, people started using distance learning a whole lot more online classes and Zoom and that sort of thing. So uh, that was a really big um, help um, once COVID hit. Yeah, and you were really bombarded with questions between March and and May of of 2020, no doubt. (laughs) Yeah, well, I had... I had actually, um, I left at that time. I finished what I had to do. I just wasn't happy anymore doing what I was doing. Um, I was just, you know, it's just. You were just ready for a change. Yeah, I wanted to get back into the healthcare field. I was just ready for that. Um, That's where your heart's always been. Yeah, yeah. Um, I went ahead and finished what I had to do and and went back into the healthcare field. And it just so happened right when I did that was right when COVID hit. So <laughs> I, I guess I was at the right place at the right time. I would say a, a little divine intervention there, no doubt. But uh, yes. <laughs> and that's where you've been uh, ever since. You've been with um, mm-hmm. Dixie Vital Care Infusion Services that whole time, correct? Yes, sir. See, yes, so we're sir. going up on um, we're coming up on three years that you've been there, which yes. is um, something to to be proud of for sure. So, um, talk if well, you would you. about the um, talk about the mission of this commendable company and the uh, equipment that you seek to promote and sell on a regular basis as an account executive. All right. So um, Dixie Vital Care is a specialty infusion pharmacy and clinic. Um, We provide uh, infusions for all types of um, disabilities. Um, We provide infusions for um, infections, um, IV antibiotics, uh, for neurological disorders like uh, multiple sclerosis, um, we do chemotherapies, we do cancer treatments. Um, we even, uh, had the opportunity of doing the COVID infusions for vital care nationwide. I should say we had the opportunity. Um, now when Omicron hit, we weren't able, we were actually hoping to go to patients' homes and give them the infusion within the home, but they were only allowed to have the infusions within the hospital setting. So we didn't have access to those, unfortunately. Um, But yeah, so, so basically, you know, that's what we did. We provide um, all specialty infusion services. Yeah. To a variety of uh, patients, regardless of, uh, you know, the disability that they may have, and it allows them to take their medications by any means necessary. Yes. And uh, yeah, I can see where going into people's homes would be uh, frowned mm-hmm. upon during, uh, you know, the, the heart of the pandemic. But um, 
you went into a lot of hospitals, no doubt. Now, what uh, what territory do you cover there as an account executive? Is yeah. it mainly the Bowling Green area? Um, so I can I uh, cover both Kentucky and uh, Tennessee, mostly uh, northern Tennessee from, let's see, Dixon, Tennessee on up to Kentucky. And then I, we provide services from all rural parts of South Central, Midwest Kentucky, and then um, E-Town, Louisville. And we're looking to pursue uh, Lexington as well. Okay, so you cover a, a, a pretty a pretty wide radius as it is, and it may be expanding mm -hmm. even more so. Uh, yes, <laughs> as, uh, yes, as we go yes, along. Yes, because yes, because it's important. You know, people who um, who are trying to it's basically kind of working with insurance companies. So Humana pioneered this bridging the gap between hospital and home, right? right? And so that's what we do as an infusion company. We're trying to keep patients um, out of the hospital as much as possible, um, just to lower their cost. Um, and so we work with home health agencies, and we also have a clinic. Um, if someone isn't approved for home health, um, they can come to one of our clinics and get their infusion there. And that's why we want to have locations in different places. So we have an office in Madison, Tennessee, and Clarksville. Uh, we have one in Russellville, uh, Bowling Green, Smith's Grove, uh, E-Town, and Louisville right now. I gotcha. So that's my count five, six offices. So, you know, and, yes. Yes, sir. and, and uh, I might've miscounted, but they definitely, you know, they definitely cover the, uh, the region quite well. And, uh, you know, that also helps hospitals to maintain space for uh, the people that need it. Cause I know hospital crowding yes. maybe isn't quite as much of an issue now as it was during the pandemic, but it's still, you know, it still exists for sure. That's correct. Yes. And yes. I know a lot of times when people go to the hospital, they, uh, you know, not that they don't want them to get the care they need, but they try to get them out of there as quickly as possible so they can make room for others. So it's. Uh, yeah. It's and, and, and patients don't really want to stay in the hospital. You know, if they don't have to, they don't want to stay there. And yeah, and nobody's so, there by choice. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, we want to make it as pleasant and. um as seamless as possible. And another thing that, that I do is, um, I, I do a bedside teaching. So oh. a lot of times the patient, a patient will go home with what we call a midline or pick line. Um, so they can receive their infusion. And so I teach them how to clean their lines and, um, then, uh, they go home with, uh, instructions. We have a little, uh, cheat sheet that they can go by or their caregiver can go by and um, they can contact us anytime if they have questions because if imagine you know you go home you've got it you're going to be getting an infusion and you've got this this line going through your vein and you know you want to make sure that you're doing everything correctly um, and so you don't if if someone's in panic mode they need someone they can contact immediately and and ask any questions so that's what we're there for we're open 24 7 we have a nurse on staff that they can contact and and uh, ask any questions that's nice so somebody's always on call my dad had a pick liner uh back when he was uh, going through cancer treatments and so forth because he wasn't able to eat and those were those were uh, really a blessing but you do have to clean them so that you know mm -hmm. they work as they should and that's that's yes. definitely important and it's great that somebody's available to to answer questions but they don't call you do they they call the nurse yes that's correct yeah. <laughs> if they if they stumble upon any issues with the pick line but it's definitely yes. you know it, it it serves a very meaningful purpose for sure now how would you recommend that um, people touch base with you Shadden to inquire about products or services from Dixie Vital Care, or perhaps to make a purchase. Yes. So if someone is interested in in um, using our infusion services, they could contact our phone number, 
And so that's 888-590-5567. There you go. And uh, we have an email address also. It's Dixie, D-I-X-I-E, at vitalcare.com. Dixie at vitalcare.com. And then the you can use that and or the toll-free number, which I will uh, include in my show notes as well. How many account executives do they have up there? Do you have any idea at Dixie Vital there's Care? Two, two of us, me and then there's one in E-Town. Okay, so you're you're in Bowling Green and then um, your your cohort is in E-Town. That's cool. So, yes. so people can call mm -hmm. and, and, and they can ask for Shadden and... She will answer uh, any questions that uh, that you have about the products, and uh, yes, you know, sir. even uh, help you with a purchase if you so choose. We basically we have a protocol that we do, and um, you know, if if someone has, if they ask their their provider, if their provider says, "Hey, you know, you you need an infusion," then they can say. You know, it's it's the patient's decision who they want to go with. And if they want to choose us, they're more than welcome to use us. They can say, hey, we like to use Dixie Vital Care. And uh, if they give us our information, we'll be sure to work with their doctors um, and providers and in, in getting that uh, treatment to them. Awesome. So just let your provider know that you want to use uh, Dixie Vital Care and uh, they'll be glad to work with you in any way that's that's necessary to get done what needs done and <laughs> help you to accomplish your your health goals. Well, uh, Shadden, this has been definitely fun and informative. Now, last but not least, for those who feel that um, helping clients maintain optimal health in some form or fashion may likely be their career calling, what do you believe to be the most important attributes of such professionals? Communication. I, communication I agree with that. As a, as a communication major, I could not second that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yes, communication is very important. Also, um, caring for the patient. You know, the patient's uh, needs is, is the most important thing. Making sure they're happy, um, and they're getting the assistance that they need. Um, that's what's most important. Quality of care. Yeah, quality of care, you know, expressing yourself and and uh, the purpose that, that you serve and a sense of compassion, right? You got to show that you care and that you're... Yes, empathy, <laughs> empathy and com uh, compassion is, is vital. Indeed. In, in our services, yes. <laughs> yeah, you've got to show that you've got your client's best interests at heart, for sure. That's correct. I tell you, this has really been great. Uh, you've got a, a very fascinating background between healthcare and uh, IT. You've done practically all of it, except maybe uh, except maybe get down underneath the hood of a car. I don't think you've done that yet, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I leave that up to the professionals. I understand. <laughs> well, none you of us know. You don't want me under a hood of a car, that's for sure. <laughs> none of us know everything, do we? No, <laughs> no. Anyway. Try though, right? Some of us try at least. Exactly. Yeah, some of us don't like to admit that we don't know everything, but <laughs> none of us do. Well, uh, Shadden, right. I have uh, I have enjoyed this wholeheartedly. I hope you have. Yes, I have. Thank you so much, Sam. It was such a pleasure to be working with you on this and talking to you again. Uh, yeah, I miss I miss uh, working with you, uh, but I do appreciate this opportunity. Well, I'm I'm, I'm glad so that uh, I'm glad that. You came on. I can't pester you in person anymore, at least not regularly, but I can uh, I, I can from a distance. I know. So. <laughs> you yeah, know, that's, that's okay. But yeah, please keep in touch. I definitely will, Shad Milky. You rock. Oh, thank you, sir. Appreciate you so much. See, listening to Shad Milky is clear proof that learning is a never-ending adventure. A lot of us like to think we know almost everything, myself included, but the fact is there is always new and exciting technology being developed, new and exciting healthcare practices being established that we all can and should partake in on a regular basis for the betterment 
of our bodies. And if you need infusion services from Dixie Vital Care, Shadden would be delighted to steer you in the right direction, as she mentioned. And that phone number that she threw in the uh, interview just a, a few minutes ago, I will include that in my show notes also, because chances are, if you're like me, you've probably forgotten it by now. And I will also link you to the Dixie Vital Care website in my show notes. So you're going to have the toll-free and you're going to have a link to the website. All the resources you need to get yourself or that special someone in your life back on track with Dixie Vital Care Infusion Services. Man, wasn't it a blast for me to get reacquainted with Shadden after not talking with her for uh, several years. We, you know, we met and worked together two or three times a week when I was in grad school, at least those last couple semesters we did, and boy, we had uh, a lot of fun. Got a lot done, but we had a lot of fun along the way, trust me. And I sure thank Shadden for taking time right before she left for vacation. And as this podcast is published, I hope that she is enjoying the heck out of that vacation. Her first one since COVID, well-deserved, most certainly. And uh, folks, there are plenty more people worthy of a feature on my show that I either haven't gotten to yet or have not heard about. I'm familiar with a lot of the people worthy of a feature, but not all of them, not by any stretch. And that's where I need your help via email at bluegrassblabbing at gmail.com, B-L-U-E-G-R-A-S-S-B-L-A-B-B-I-N at gmail.com. Whether it's a restaurant that you enjoy going to here in Kentucky, perhaps a state park, musician making waves on his or her way to fame from Kentucky, and uh, maybe an exceptional educator in the classroom. I have been known to feature uh, each of these types of people, and I'm always open to suggestions. As long as these people and subjects have uh, close connections to the Commonwealth of Kentucky, I'm glad to consider them. So don't be shy about emailing me or Facebooking me on Blabbing in the Bluegrass, the Facebook page. And I need you to like and follow that page, too. All of my previous shows are there. We're up over 100 now, so you can go back and revisit those that you especially enjoyed. And if you're new to the program, you can uh, catch up. Yes, it's going to take you quite a while, but you've got time. Okay, and I'm just glad you're here because better late than never. And I also put out teasers on uh, plans for future shows about once a week, so you can keep tabs on those. You can make comments, leave messages on Facebook. I love hearing from patrons there, too. Now, good Lord willing, and the creep don't rise, we're going to come back at you on January 25th. That'll be next Wednesday, January 25th. Make sure that you're here, because believe me when I tell you, you are the glue that keeps this thing together. It takes me, it takes you. It's a joint effort, guys and gals. So it's not complete without your presence. So make sure that you don't let me down. Come on back, join us next week. And before we split for another week, yep, you guessed it. I had the long-awaited answer of the Bluegrass Brain Buster, which we brought to you at the beginning, of course. Shad and Milky spent... A number of years working in the WKU library, so I thought it was only fitting that we do a library-themed question. And I wanted to know, what is the oldest library in the Commonwealth of Kentucky? That, my friend, would be the Lexington Public Library. Now, the Lexington Public Library is not only the oldest library in Kentucky, but it is also the oldest West of the Alleghenies. How about that? It was established way back in 1796. And uh, since then, the library has always existed in some form or fashion. Of course, a number of locations have come and gone through the years. But an interesting tidbit, Mr. Andrew Carnegie actually made a $60,000 donation to fund the building that the library moved into in 1905. And it remained there for, uh, gosh, 84 years, up until 1989. It was called the Carnegie Library. Now, the uh, library in 89 outgrew the building and established a new central unit location on Main Street, where they've been headquartered ever since. Now, in the former Carnegie Library, we now have 
the uh, Carnegie Center for Learning and Literacy. So his namesake is still on the building, even though the uh, the library is no longer there. But, of course, you got the Central Unit on Main Street and I think five other locations that currently exist for the uh, Lexington Public Library. But it's been there in some form or fashion, like we said, since 1796, making it the oldest library in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. Come on back next week. We should have another brain buster for you. And between now and then, remember to listen and subscribe without paying a dime via Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Verbal. We have also recently added podcast directories such as iHeartRadio, also Boomplay, Amazon Music, even a few more. So if we're not a part of your favorite podcast directory, just email or Facebook me. Let me know what that is, and we'll do our best to make sure we're there ASAP. And until next time, you've got one assignment and one alone. Keep laughing, keep smiling, and keep blabbing in the bluegrass. There's nothing here to hide, cause we're saying it with pride. Just a blabbing in the bluegrass. With knowledge of the state, you're sure to appreciate. Yes, we're blabbing in the bluegrass. Where musicians furnish talent and great whiskey cools your palate. Just a blabbing in the bluegrass. With a fit for every taste, precious time is not to waste.